Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Speck. Hello. What's happening, Derek? Not much, man. Not much. Hey, it's uh, it was uh, for the first time since the spring, it was like zero degrees this week. But oh, then down here. now the temperature's going to bump back up. But yeah, but yeah I had to scrape my car the other, uh, my yeah, window the other too. day. It's like, what's well, going on? Man. What's up with this? But it was a, it coincided with a full moon, so it makes sense. Well, it's I think it was a no, full moon. half moon. Was it a half moon? Yeah, it's just a half moon. Yeah, we're so not only quite one, full yet. Only we're, one cheek is showing. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're mostly full. <laughs> mostly full? Yeah, it's a mostly full moon. Is that glass half empty or <laughs> half full? <laughs> so, it's mostly full. Ooh. Astronomy is oh, not your... and there was a... Uh, oh, I lost the word. The moon covers the sun. Eclipse. Eclipse, there we go. There was a... Was that a, a lunar eclipse? It was a... Oh, now you're confusing me more. Or a solar eclipse. Well, we couldn't see the sun. We saw the moon. Lunar eclipse. Dun, 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 dun. It's an eclipse. I'm just testing you now. And my brain's... Jeez. Yeah. I'm old, man. Is Anyways. Pluto is Pluto a planet? <laughs> Not anymore. Are you sure? <laughs> no, it got voted off the island. It got voted out of the universe. I thought it got voted back. System. No, it's not I think not it's a back. rebellion. They actually found, and I don't know what they call it, not like an erratic, but they found another, I can't remember what they call it, but they're, they're supposed to go check it out, but it's a planet, a planetary body. Pluto's a planetary body, a minor planetary body, but they found another one that's bigger than Pluto. So are they going to add it? No. Why? Because it doesn't orbit like the other planets do. You know, there's going to come a point... Where we're out in the universe and all these little planets and heavenly bodies yeah. are, people go, oh, you never claimed that? Okay, well, that's that's ours now. <laughs> we need to start claiming this stuff now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that planet, that's ours. Yeah, that, that's, that, that asteroid's ours. Yeah. Like, yeah, hands off. Well, isn't there something called Erebus or something? They're going to go out. They, NASA's sending a ship to go check it out, and they say that there's enough to, there's enough metals, materials, gold, silver, and whatever on it that it, everybody on the planet could uh, be a millionaire. Really? Like they're going to give everybody money from this. Yeah, only well, the rich people get it. It's on the internet. You know it's true. If, if they let me buy a canoe, I'll be happy. And apparently a Canadian made rover in, is either going up or will be on the moon, South Pole, really? 2026, looking for water. Yes. I didn't know it was Canadian made. Though. Yeah, I read it somewhere it was Canadian made. Hmm. Cool. And absolutely none of this has to do with <laughs> paddling. paddling. <laughs> well, they found water on the moon. Well, there's water on the moon. I want to be the first guy to go paddle, paddle it. <laughs> right? What's your claim to fame? I was the first guy to paddle a canoe yep. on the moon. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Totally awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just been busy. Absolutely busy. Mm-hmm. Work is crazy, which is, you know. Ditto. It's same. a good thing, you know, to be busy, but... Uh, Makes the days go by. That's really quick. That's for I sure. I can find a lot of other things to make my days go by other oh, than Oh, I work. agree. Yeah, I agree. We gardened on the weekend. Did you? Yep. Put in the yard to bed. I was inside watching TV and then I got the old, Sean, can you come out here and help for a second? <laughs> yeah. Four I, at hours that, later. At that point, yeah, four hours later. 
I just turned the TV off because I know it's not going to be a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we did a whole bunch of gardening stuff, and we made a bit of a faux pas. Oh. And thank, thank goodness there was a lady walking her dog. Um, we ripped a whole bunch of stuff out from in front of our tree, like yeah. the tree in front of in our front yard, ripped a whole bunch of stuff out from around it. It's like cat minted stuff. So it like just spreads. Mm-hmm. So we took the time. We just gutted it all. And then, uh, they, Tracy and Ariana planted a bunch of different bulbs. Okay. Right. For just, spring. Yeah. Pop up in the spring. Pop up in the spring. Well, you know the squirrels are going to dig them bad boys. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had some of this netting stuff yeah. for the gardens. So we'll put that down. Not thinking. Our bird feeders are right there. Oh. So Birds Tra- got caught Tra- Tracy's making dinner. Um, there's some lady out front digging in our garden. <laughs> so it turns out, yeah, one of the morning doves was hopping around got and got caught. tangled yeah. in the. So we pulled up all of it, not even thinking. Yeah. And then, yeah, I stopped by and uh, um, Lowe's Canada is no longer. It's back to a Rona now. Well, not back to. Well, it used to be Rona. Rona went away. Yeah, now Rona's back Lowe's and Lowe's came has gone up away. from the States. Now Lowe's yeah. gone away. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I just stopped at Rona and picked up a bunch of topsoil, put the netting back down, covered it with all this topsoil. Oh. So the squirrels are going to go, hello, bulbs, and he's going to start digging yeah. and what I can't get is any all deeper. of this? There's this mysterious layer. Yeah. But, I mean, the, when the, the bulbs come up and the, the tulips They'll and dig right through the net. daffodils yeah. and all that stuff come up, it'll come right through that. Mm-hmm. Because there's big enough squares, yeah. right? So, yeah. And no birds are going to get caught. <laughs> no, no, yeah. uh, but I, I mean, if I did leave it that way, I could, I'd have a massive cage filled with birds. Yeah. You could have like a, you could have an aviary in your garage. Right? Sean's, he, just down here. Yeah. Like you come in this door down here to the, to the <laughs> recording studio <laughs> and like you'd open the door and have to close it fast because there would be 50 birds flying around this room. We'd have morning doves, maybe a raven or two, some yeah. blue jays screeching, a couple of cardinals, a bunch of these little sparrows, <laughs> a woodpecker. It'd be awesome. It'd have that sound of nature down here while we're recording yes, our podcast. Yes. Wouldn't that be something? Right? Instead of a snoring dog. Yeah. Yeah. You have that natural bird singing in the background. Right? Driving you nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my weekend. <laughs> uh, next weekend, we're going to Mew Lake. It's Halloween, right Halloween at Mew in Algonquin. So we take our winter tent and all that sort of stuff. With my, with my dates and stuff. I thought it was the weekend after. No, the weekend after is past Halloween. Yeah. Halloween's just next week, next week, right? Yeah, the month is going so fast. Right? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we're heading up to uh, Algonquin. We're heading up. We're actually not at Mew Lake. We're staying at Lake of Two Rivers. Okay. It's gotten yeah. so popular now that they've had to open up a second yeah. campground, right? So many people in there. kind of sucks, but. So we're going to be over at Lake of Two Rivers. But you if couldn't I bring, get in the Mew or chose uh, Two No, rivers. we chose okay. Two Rivers. Because last Halloween, I brought my canoe. Okay. And my dry suit. Oh. And then I went out on Mew Lake there you for go. a little toodly doodly yeah. doo. Lake of Two Rivers is a lot bigger. So there'll be a bigger toodly doodly 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 do. <laughs> there right? you go. Yeah. So yeah, so we're going to do that. And like I say, the Halloween one, everybody does their campsites up with mm-hmm. decorations. Yep. And so so it's pretty, it was pretty cool to see. And kids come around trick-or-treating and 
mm-hmm. and stuff. So, um, but yeah, we, we, we take our winter tent and stove and give everything a, yeah. a once over. Okay. Everything's working fine. So when we're up there and like new years and stuff like that in the middle of winter. Yeah. When it's more good. Yeah. It's less consequential at Halloween because it's not as cold, not as risky, not as much snow. Shouldn't be any snow. Well, we've had snow a couple yeah, of years yeah, but not that a we've been going up, but yeah, yeah, it does not like massive packed snow or anything, yeah. right? So, so we're doing that this week. Um, now, Mike Burns, mm-hmm. good old Mikey, sent a message about mid-November. Yeah, canoe Thanksgiving trip. weekend, U.S. Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was thinking yeah, Remembrance Day weekend. Remembrance Day weekend. Yes. Yeah. When. Yeah, no, that's not Thanksgiving weekend for the States. No, it's not. States. No. No. Yeah, Remembrance Day weekend. Yeah. Uh, so he's looking at doing a trip, and there's a few mm-hmm. of them going. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have enough holiday days left to- I'm trying to figure out how I can make it work. I want to make it work. I'd like to go. So- Three, four days, three nights. Yes. All-inclusive resort. <laughs> yes, all-inclusive. Okay, a bunch of tents, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Accommodations provided by you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like, I mean, November, it's definitely colder. Um, depending on you're going, definitely frosty. Yes, very frosty. May or may not be snow. Yeah. May or may not well, be ice. Just as long as it doesn't rain. Yeah. That was the- Well, yeah, when it rains, then everything gets cold and it mm-hmm. freezes and you're- Nobody's having fun. Nobody's having fun. No. No. You can deal with the cold. It's the dampness. It's the whiny campers that's hard to deal with. Right? It's, that's but the problem. But you know problem. what? There's no bugs. This is true. That's the only reason you go. <laughs> it's my favorite part. <laughs> and I sent you a little thing on Instagram the other day. You take a tackle box and you fill, yes. you fill it with all the cheeses and crackers <laughs> and little mini carrots and grapes. And you close it up and you walk to camp with your... Snackle box. It's your snackle box. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I want to do that. A charcuterie board in a tackle <laughs> box. But I don't know anybody that actually carries tackle boxes like that anymore. Nothing big like I that. I got three of them in my garage that I haven't yeah. used in years. Yeah. I, just I probably all the lures and worms, the dead worms out of it, and that's probably exactly cheese. what's in there. Oh, that's where that knife went. <laughs> oh, look at yeah. those! Look at those plastic jigs, <laughs> all stuck together, <laughs> rusted together. Yeah, look. Oh, yeah. Hey, you think we can give that fish a little bit of <laughs> tetanus? tetanus? <laughs> You have to give my fish a tetanus shot before I eat it. <laughs> tetanus pickerel. <laughs> Oh, so you think you're going to go or? I, I'm 99% sure. I just have to make a deals with work because I'm out of vacation. Take one of mine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that would work. Just go up to one of your friends. How many vacation days you got left? <laughs> and they'll tell you and you go, well, no, no, you, you're missing one. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. You, you've counted too, too many vacation <laughs> days in there. I've looked. Uh, apparently, two-year vacation I'm days were transferred to my to department. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See if that works. And if it works next year, you're yeah. not working at all. <laughs> yeah. Your vacation and your vacation, your vacation. Yeah. It's all mine. That'd be awesome if mm-hmm. you could do that, eh? <laughs> See, that's what you got to do is barter holiday days. Mm-hmm. Talk to your, your boss, your HR people, and say, listen, <laughs> if I... 
do somebody's work or something for them. And I, they say, what do you want? And I say, one of your holiday days. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then come time for yeah. holidays. Yeah. Well, you usually have four weeks. Well, no, now you got six. Six there's, weeks of holidays. There's some IT companies out there. They go, uh, everybody can take as much vacation as they want. There's no limit. But obviously, if you abuse the system, you're going to be fired, right? But they and they what they found is uh, people were actually taking less vacation and doing more work. People were more engaged because of the freedom to take vacation when they needed. It. It's like you know what, I need some time. I'm going to go, and it's all free vacation. So see, I wish I worked at a job where I could. I mean, I could, but I can't work from anywhere. Mm, yes, you know, yep. so that yeah. I mean, we know somebody that I'm going to. Italy for a month. I'm going to Spain <laughs> for a month. I'm going to France for a month. And you could go to France, work during the day, yep. and and do stuff. We've had people all do night this. and stuff like that, and see you in a month. I'm yep. working working from home, yep. but I'm living in Spain this month. <laughs> one of my, one of my guys, he uh, we we hired him under contract. He retired. We needed him. We brought him back under contract, and he worked from PEI. But see, like, I would be like, here's a picture of me working in Spain from my canoe. <laughs> yes, there is that. Here's appeal. a picture of yeah. me in Santeria, yeah. Santorini, <laughs> on the ocean, a nice calm day yeah. in my canoe, hey, working. I'm getting my work done. Right? Hey, look at me paddle boarding with my, yeah, I'm working from Wi-Fi, thank you. That'd be odd. Like, I would... And I would just piss off every single one of my coworkers yeah. because I'd be posting pictures and sending them pictures every day. <laughs> you you must have seen the guy who he, during COVID he came out. He's like a comedian, but he also seemed to work in an office. And he he did this constant, constant little uh, TikToks and Instagrams where he would go to a. He's working. He's on remote working. But he would put a he would strap a green screen to his back, strap oh, his laptop to his chest, yes. and so he'd be like at a ball game or a football game and having a Zoom call, <laughs> having a Zoom call. <laughs> oh, that just gives me so many ideas. Yeah. Oh, I'm working from home today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six weeks now you've been working from home. Yeah, I drove by your house and your car's not there. <laughs> your car never moved once. <laughs> this would be awesome. Like a six-month paddling trip and no one knows you're actually not in town. I know, right? <laughs> but but you hooked up every day. Yeah. Yep. Still got work to do. Yep. But Yeah. I have Starlink. Right? That'd be awesome. <laughs> I got to look into that. <laughs> Starlink's very cheap right now. See, so they use the hardware is usually nine hundred bucks plus tax or something, and uh, they're currently selling for one ninety nine, but then it's one fifty a month for yeah. unlimited Works internet. Good. Now the whole the whole point of this is have work pay for everything. <laughs> so work pays for everything, yeah. and I'm out enjoying my life while they pay me and yeah. all the accoutrement. I've seen people out camping with the Starlink thing. Like, uh, but uh, yeah, but only if the work's paying for it. No, yeah. I, I mean I've I've been like up at uh, on Cedar Lake, mm-hmm. and there was a camper there with Starlink sitting in front of his camper. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I saw a guy when where <laughs> our jump off campsite when we we're doing our summer trip into Algonquin, we uh, we I went pick some apples and I beat through the raspberry bushes to go get an apple or two and uh, and uh, it's like oh. There's a Starlink on a on a pole in the bushes in the middle of a raspberry field. <laughs> eh, each into their own. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, anywho, yeah, let's go camping. Let's get disconnected. Let's go off grid. Yeah. Oh, don't forget to bring the internet. Right, because we got to work. We got to stream. Yeah. Got to stream Netflix. How was your trip? Well, half of it was good. <laughs> half of it was work. Yeah. And I'm all caught up on my shows on Netflix. Right. And a couple of extra movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be so cool. So cool to do that. We haven't. Yeah, there's this guy, Sean, that works here. He hasn't actually been in the office in three years. But he's still working. But he's, and I think he's in southwestern United States right now. He seems to move around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he still does his work. Yeah. Everything gets still his, gets done. Get their work done. Just as long as, it, yeah, like a, uh. A linesman or uh, ditch diggers or, or you know, heavy equipment yeah. operators. They can't work remotely. Yeah. The shipper receiver guy at my company. Yeah. 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 yeah he can't work, work remotely. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> Doctors, nurses, doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> one day, my friend. Yep. One, one day. day. One day. When AI takes over and does all the heavy labor with all the robots, we just get to sit back and, and reap the rewards, right? Because, you know, right. AI is not going to take over the world. No, it's the the um, Terminators. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the Matrix guys. Yeah, Mister Anderson. <laughs> Anywho, uh, pumpkins because it's almost Halloween. It is. We're getting there. Great pumpkins, Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. So anywhere you Google right now is pumpkin paddling. Giant, oh yes, yes. Giant yeah. pumpkins. And I'm reading articles that said there were hundreds of pumpkin paddlers. I don't think there's hundreds. I'm thinking how many people how about a in dozen one or two? area yeah. actually have. And then there's thousands of people showed up to watch. Yeah. This big pumpkin paddling regatta. <laughs> like how many, how many big ass pumpkins are out there? I know, right? And think about all the, uh, to get to this thing. Everybody's got to have a trailer. Right. Or a pickup truck. So that's, parking's going to be a nightmare to paddle your pumpkin. Drop off and leave, drop yeah. off and leave, <laughs> drop off and leave. <laughs> this is where you unload your pumpkins. Unload pumpkins here under the beach to go paddling. Apparently the world record distance paddled in a pumpkin boat is around 61 kilometers. No. Yes. That's far. How do you portage a giant pumpkin? Well, you don't. You just put it in the river and go to town. <laughs> Hope for the best. A Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario man paddled 23 oh, wow. kilometers in a giant pumpkin down the St. Mary's River in an attempt to beat the world record. Brent Rubble started to research giant pumpkins. He learned yes. there was a world record for pump paddling a pumpkin boat the longest distance paddled, and he thought it was hilarious. He says, I think I just told myself in my head, if I can grow a giant pumpkin big enough to sit in and paddle, I am attempting this record. Which one does? Is he related to uh, Barney? Rebel? Yeah. I don't know. This year, he managed to grow an 897-pound pumpkin. Oh, that's big. 897 pounds. 
That can't be the dress weight. That's got to be the natural weight. And then you take all the seeds out. Mm-hmm. And the top off. Mm-hmm. Or the side. Yeah. To make it a pumpkin because, <laughs> you know. Uh, and it also happened to be the perfect shape for a boat. Yeah. Sunday, October 15th, he brought it to the city's Bellevue Marina, hopped into the hollowed out gourd with a paddle in hand. But he would have his work cut out to beat the world record the week, week prior, a Missouri man named, um, paddled his 1,208-pound wow. pumpkin. <laughs> That's, That's like 300 pounds more, 200 pounds more. Called it Huckleberry. No, yeah, three, 300 <laughs> pounds more than his. Yeah, it's crazy. Call, yeah, the pumpkin, big pumpkin boat, he called it Huckleberry. <laughs> he paddled it 61 kilometers down the Missouri River. Did you convert numbers or did this article? No, they they talked about it. Because dude that's trying to break it is from Ontario. Okay. Right? So uh, we're mixing our numbers here. They're, the pumpkins are in pounds, but the distances are in kilometers. It's, I this, just this, report this what this I found. This North American thing is... Uh, oh, yeah. It's a cluster. <laughs> uh, Rebel thought he had a chance to take his pumpkin boat. He called Maverick even further, but learned he needed some cooperation from the river to get there. <laughs> I underestimated how important a fast-flowing current and river was for giant pumpkin paddling, he said, because these giant pumpkins, <laughs> they don't paddle well. They don't track very well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just surprised it stays upright. Can you roll a pumpkin if you're in it? Like a kayak? Well, if you get the top cut off, then it should be bottom heavy. But once you get water in it... yeah. <laughs> It would float. You're not going to sink to the bottom. No, but if it's upside down, you might drown. And if you're inside it, the pumpkin itself is is moist, so you're going to get you're going to get wet. Well, <laughs> and they do talk about that too. Um, he's saying, you know, like um, the inside of them are like oily and slippery, and so trying to just kneel in one and yeah. And if you're hungry, just take a bite of your pumpkin. Right? <laughs> what size are the seeds in a giant pumpkin? Oh, I have no idea. I imagine they'd just be normal. You think they're just normal? Yeah. Because people will take the giant pumpkin seeds and then replant them to hopefully get bigger ones the following year. And they, they keep propagating the biggest ones. So, yes. So, I, I worked with a guy. He grew giant pumpkins. And uh, he when he was starting out, he was buying like five ten dollars seeds. But if it's a championship pumpkin and it's a, got the right pedigree, he, you're paying one to one hundred and fifty dollars a seed. Do they have like you know your dog CKC registered? Like they've got Canadian Garden, yeah, they, certified. They've got to have something because uh, these championship pumpkins you can make a lot of money off their seeds if you wow. consistently grow giant pumpkins and you prove they they have a good providence and they have you know good genetics and these seeds will grow a giant pumpkin, right? It's there. There's there's a lot of money in that. I have so many better things to do. <laughs> I went I went on a canoe trip with this guy and and so we we went up north of Sudbury. We we're on uh Lady Evelyn and area and and Solace and Did his wife tell you to take him there and not bring him back? <laughs> Anyways he had left this giant he had two giant crates, these plastic tubs that are in a crate for with uh 
pre-mixed water with uh, with whatever fertilizer fertilizers stuff and, and food. Yeah, food for the for the giant pumpkins. Yeah. So we're we're on like day four, and and he goes, he says, "Well, wait a sec. How far out is it to go?" And we said, "What are you talking about? We're like we're only about halfway down the trip." Halfway? I thought this was a four-day trip. <laughs> I only gave my wife enough fertilized water for a four-day trip. It's like wow. So we so she was she was expecting us back. So I'm sure she was more worried about. Is hey, he's supposed to be home two days ago. <laughs> I didn't think you were coming back, so I shot the pumpkin. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's it was funny. We were out there paddling d- down. Uh, Sturgeon River, I think it's called up there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, it's up there. It was a nice trip. It was a good trip, but he was constantly worried about his giant pumpkin. Wow. <laughs> um, the day he set out, Rubble said there wasn't much of a current working in his favor, as his average speed paddling without a strong current was about one kilometer per hour. He's an outboard so boater. So he wanted pumpkin. to, if he wanted to beat sixty-one kilometers. And he's doing one kilometer an hour. Oh. 62 kilometer, 62 hours later. Yeah. <laughs> How long is your trip? Three days. <laughs> he called it quits when it was clear it would not be possible to beat the record that day. And he says he was still glad he attempted the challenge. Uh, we saw some random boaters that would do double takes <laughs> saying, what the heck is that? And some others saying, uh, is that a pumpkin in the water? <laughs> Says he would have liked to have a save Maverick, his giant pumpkin, but it needed to be destroyed so they can remove it. Could remove it from the water. It'd be so heavy, right? And apparently, uh, after smacking it around a bit to break it up, they even hit it with their boat to <laughs> smash it up even more. <laughs> oh, the trials and tribulations of paddling a giant pumpkin! I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if you if you Google it, it's happening everywhere right now. Yeah, you know, taste the season. And, yeah, and all the uh, witches on on paddle boards oh, yeah. and stuff like that's yeah. happening right now. So Halloween is upon us. Yep. A uh, hundred and twenty eight years ago, Eureka Brands mm-hmm. came into being. Were they always called Eureka? I believe so. Uh, started in 1895. It began making canvas wagon covers, horse blankets, and custom camp tents from its Binghamton workshop in New York. Eureka camping tents have uh, long been the staple for outdoor adventures. I had uh, my Spitfire solo for 16 years before my um, zipper blew on it. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, and that was unfortunately at the end of you couldn't get the parts anymore. So, and I thought they're a fairly successful, popular tent company. I well, think. the the bug zones too, right? Yeah. Uh, it's now unclear who will keep making them as Johnson Outdoor Incorporated, which bought Eureka in 1973. I can't believe they've owned them since 1973. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> they announced that they would exit the company's product lines. Eureka tents and other camping gear will remain available through 2024 as Johnson Outdoors winds down operations, according to a press release. Yeah, they put out a press release going, hey, everybody. 
parent company will instead focus on its jet boil franchise, which, I mean, over the last five years or so, they just become all the rage. Yes. You know, yes. because they'll boil water so fast. I've got one. I don't. Um, yeah, so they're just going to focus on, on the jet boil franchise and a strong position in the cooking segment. Uh, choosing to sell Eureka was a tough decision, they say. Says so we expect this will negatively impact company sales by less than one percent really? for fiscal twenty twenty four. So that's not really a big dent in things. Well, no, it doesn't <laughs> seem like that, does it? <laughs> but everywhere you go, you see the the tents and you see the backpacks and yeah, you know, like the 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 like. I mean, I got my big sea line bag. But everybody else I see has the Eureka packs. The Eureka packs, yeah. right? Yeah, I have a Eureka pack. So that reminds me, I should buy one before the well is still available, right? I shouldn't say that on uh, recording. Everybody's gonna run out and buy them. I, I gotta. I'm gonna have to go visit Sale this week. Buy what you can. Is before. Sale still called Sale? As far as I know. <laughs> as far as I know. Um. Additionally, the company expects to take charge of approximately four million. Uh, in the year two, in fiscal year 2023, related to this decision. Huh. Earlier this year, Johnson Outdoors announced the sale of Eureka's military and commercial tent division. Deal included Eureka's original facility in Binghamton, New York, for an estimated price tag of 13.7 million. In this day and age, when you hear about companies being bought out, taken over, you never hear of another number that small. No. Oh, that's a tiny million, number. Teeny tiny. At the time, Johnson Outdoors said the deal would not include the Eureka brand name or the recreational side of the camping business. So they're keeping the brand name. They're keeping the name, mm-hmm. but selling off everything else, right? You sell the patterns and... Yeah. Uh, Johnson Outdoors retains many other brands of outdoor equipment, including Old Town Canoes and Kayaks. Hummingbird Marine Electronics and Charts, which is your like fish finders yeah. and stuff like that. Scuba Pro Dive Equipment, uh, Carlisle Paddles, uh, Minn Kota Trolling Motors, the electric trolling, yeah. trolling motors. That's all under the Johnson Outdoors. Isn't that something? I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, that led to our, our conversation earlier about Rona and Lowe's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Staples bought... The, the, the Lowe's stores in Canada, yeah. but they couldn't use the Lowe's name, yes. but they already owned the Rona name. So now the Lowe's- Just re-tag and re tag re If I didn't see the big Rona on the side of the building around the corner, yeah. I would have no clue. Yeah. I would have walked right in and think, yeah. it's, okay, we're still at Lowe's. Yeah. But I saw this grand opening, Rona. What? <laughs> What's what going on here? Lowe's? I'm yeah. so confused. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it, that's a shame because 128 years uh-huh. they've been in business, and 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 when you look at the because th- there's this article I was sent it probably 20 times. Um, it's been posted probably a hundred times on different social media sites. Yep, and uh, the number of people. Saying like, wow, like I can't believe this. Like I own this Eureka, I own that Eureka, and I've always you loved Eureka. It, yeah, but there's also a large number saying in the past. So the original guy that was well, I guess not the original guy, but the before that somebody stepped down from Eureka. Okay, 
Um, I can't remember what his Jim. I think it was Jim something. I can't. Um, can't remember that's na- his name. But people are saying once he stepped <clears throat> down, when he retired, everything started going downhill, and they started making things cheaper. Oh, okay. So you know, um, something that would last twenty years now lasting eight. Mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, sort of, sort of getting that gist of things. Yeah. Like I say, I had my spit cutting fire costs, solo cutting for, corners and yeah, for years, and and swore I was going to buy another one when that one died, and unfortunately, they weren't selling them anymore at that point. Mm-hmm. So it happens, man. Yeah, it happens. It does. So it's it's a shame too to to see something that's been around that long gone. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on it, see what happens. It, well, it's also something for people to start. I probably shouldn't say this until I take advantage of myself, but uh, keep an eye out for sales. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just sales, but uh, if there's something in your in your uh, kit that you always use, like for example, Eureka Pack, I'm thinking I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. I'm thinking of going on the computer right now and uh, purchase online a, a couple Eureka packs because I like those packs. I mm-hmm. I've tried the Seal line. I've tried other ones. And it's Eureka packs. They have a bit of a flexible fabric. They don't last so long. They get holes really easy. Well, my it's a nice pack. My sea line, I think, is like twenty years in no holes. I got one small hole I've yeah. had for about five years, but I put a piece of black duct tape over it. Mm-hmm. I have not had any issues with any other other than that one tiny hole. I think I'm on my fourth Eureka pack. I'm on my first sea hmm. line. <laughs> it's like 115 yeah. or 120 liters, something like that. 130, 100. Who else makes 2,000 liters. So there's Eureka, Seal Line. A lot of them like Ostrom packs and stuff yeah. like that. They're all cloth and stuff. There's right? another one I have. It's like a Seal Line. It's all plastic. It's that, uh, almost like a scuba diving dry suit type thing. But it's, um, I don't like it because it's, uh, it's very narrow and deep. And uh, so, like the with the, I like it with the Eureka pack is it's got a it's got a big hole. It's you can fit a lot of stuff right into it, and you know I can jam my my camp chairs in the stove, and you know I do all that stuff. It it uh, I always put in the bottom one of those uh, fabric MEC bags to carry all the plethora of loose stuff. Ah, uh, plethora of, of loose, loose stuff. <laughs> Technical terms only here. Right. Anyways, it's uh, I like it, but I the 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 new canoe pack that I bought two, three years ago. Well, I bought it prior to the Minus Link. And I've only used it a couple of times because I don't like it. It's really hard to pack stuff into it. It's got a rubber liner so that packs and stuff sacks don't, you can't jam them in. It sticks. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you can yeah. hear it squeaking yeah, on no, its way in. And the, the, like the sea line pack and that isn't that sticky rubber. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like a, a, a yeah. heavy vinyl. Yeah. yeah. More, more along the lines of that than, than the rubber. So. Hmm. Kevin so, Callan's packs that he had made under his name brand, were they Ostrom. waterproof? No, no. They weren't? No, not that I'm aware of. It's like the Ostroms and that. Mm-hmm. No, you need the uh, the liner to put inside it. Yeah. Is he going to do another build of those? Because the ones he did have built sold out really quick. Really quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy one of those things. And, and then it's like, two. oh, you had to be there within the first hour of the, of the yeah. thing or they're gone. Doing a different color, call it. The Happy Camper Pack Gen 2. Yeah, there you go. Right? <laughs> There's an idea for you, Kevin. There you go. <laughs> um, Here's something that I came across. Now, you were, I know you're stuck on, on, on the words, 
experimental archaeologist. I, yeah, I just I, I'm starting to wrap my brain around it. I'm starting to get it. It's uh, it's just that archaeology and experimental. Like it, when I hear experimental, I think some newfangled way of hey, this is an experimental jet aircraft. This thing is going to go Mach thirteen and yada yada yada. And experimental archaeology. Mm-hmm. But I guess it makes sense because they're learning the old ways and doing scientific testing to make to see how it worked efficiently and yeah. was done. And there's been TV shows on the same sort of thing, like how did they build the pyramids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did they get a, yeah. the the, experimental the rocks from for for Stonehenge? Yeah. When that quarry is way and and they actually get a rock yeah. using tools. To, you know, to chisel it, it out and then the, 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 then to move it, they had it on a barge, they brought up a river and then moved it onto the land onto logs and yeah. then push it to the, the final site yeah. sort of thing. So yeah, that would be exp- putting into practice, mm-hmm. you know, what they've learned, yeah. right? And what they can learn and they go, oh, maybe that wasn't really how they did it. <laughs> and then tweak it to as using other techniques and and ideas yeah. and stuff that they found from that time period, right? So experimental archaeologist, Teresa Emmerich Camper, who was on season eight of season Alone. Season eight of Alone. I was trying to find out. I, I ran out of time, but I was trying to figure out how far she went because I don't think she won season eight. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't follow those TV shows anymore. I don't either. Uh, and Sarah Day hoped their 219-kilometer odyssey will reveal more about ancient people's lives along the River Thames. Uh, they go on to say, they, they talk about their, their trip here, and then they say, nine days into their quest to paddle the full length of the River Thames, they watched as a storm front swallowed the blue sky. Onrush of rain was moving so fast, there was no time to paddle ashore and unload their gear. Their buckskin dresses weren't waterproof. And if their reindeer fur bedding got soaked, it would never dry. So they draped their leather tent over themselves, huddled inside their cowhide canoe as they hammer as they were hammered with hail, bailing water with a wooden cup. Facing the elements while surrounding themselves in leather is, in fact, an important part of the day Amaret Kemper's work. As experimental archaeologists. They research and recreate ancient technologies to gain insight into how our ancestors lived. They teach ancestral skills such, uh, such as making clothing pouches, preserved meat and bone tools from animals. Uh, and yeah, this Emmerich Camper earned a PhD in ancient hide tanning techniques. <laughs> and she put her expertise to the test in, uh, on the TV show alone. So yeah. there's something to, to, to learn it. Yeah, but to actually go out and actually put it into practice yes. and show that yeah, this is indeed this this it works, works right? Yeah. The science proves it. Yeah. So Day was looking for a reason to build the kind of boat Europeans uh, may have constructed tens of thousands of years ago. Of course, you know nobody was there, so yeah. they just have to take from records, yes. drawings, found this outline of a shell from ten thousand years ago. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ancient photographs. Yeah. You know. Stone guy, uh, his <laughs> diary, you know. <laughs> um, Emmerich Camper uh, crafted a speculatively pale, Paleolithic-style skin canoe for the show Surviving the Stone Age, but she only used it on short jaunts. 
If they took animal skin boats on multi-day journey, they reasoned, they could learn more about how Paleolithic peoples might have traded uh, along rivers and even migrated to islands around Scotland and the Mediterranean. Idea was born, they would paddle 255 kilometers of the Thames with handcrafted canoes, equipment and food that mimicked as closely as they could practically and legally manage. Legally. Those made by stone-aged peoples. Well, I guess, because back in the day, you see a deer running across the land. Yeah, you take it Yeah, You shoot it with a bow and arrow or rock and... But not on the king's land or the queen's land. But in modern times, you see something at the side of the river, you're not necessarily legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull out your bow and arrow and have a go. <laughs> June 2023. Person sh- shooting bow and arrow at deer on shoreline. Yeah. Uh, June 2023, they prepared to, to launch 20 kilometers from the puddle-sized source of the Thames. Their ultimate destination was Greenwich. And they they talked about a little bit about the, you know, that's the, the prime meridian. That's the timeline, yeah. right? So from the, they're, they're trying to discover from the beginning of time to the end of time. They're somewhere, yeah. they're somewhere stuck in time is what they're <laughs> saying, right? They had built their boats from wicker, wickerwork frames of willow and hazel branches covered in rawhide cow skin smeared with coatings of tallow, beeswax, and birch tar. And as they unloaded them from the van, the canoes unleashed a smell of raw meat and rendered fat. Mm-mm. <laughs> that sounds so. I want to paddle in that canoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to order me a few of those for the old garage. <laughs> Due to their busy teaching schedules, they hadn't tested them out yet. When they put the boats in the river, they began to leak. Yeah, see, that would have been my thing. Is well, you gotta, you might want to test those babies first. Uh, Emmerich Camper wasn't surprised. She originally sewed her skins with pig intestine, which doesn't endure as well as sinew. And she had to make hasty repairs, but both women remained unflappable. They just bail water until the skins were wet enough to restitch. It's all part of experimental archaeology. <laughs> See, that's where you're... There you go. Yeah. Yep. So that's basically what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, they loaded their boats with willow branch backrests, bags made of deer stomach and cow blood. So this gets kind of gross too, right? <laughs> I know. So what do you, here, here they are modeling this year's <laughs> designs and fashions with deer stomach cow bladder. <laughs> My custom water bottle is made from cow bladder. Yeah. Buckles fashioned from bark sewn with tree roots. Uh, part of the reason we're doing this is to play with equipment and see what works well on a river and what's just dead weight. For food, they packed dried berries, nuts, and nut flowers. They made pemmican from powdered dried salmon blended with tallow and some berries. Uh, she says, otherwise, it's like eating lumpy candle wax. Uh, nice. Jim Baird uh, makes pemmican and takes it on his canoe Oh, yes? Yeah? yeah. Oh, I think I remember him telling us about mm-hmm. that. Uh, they also plan to forage dandelions, thistle stems, hogweed, shoot, hogweed shoots, and other greens from the riverbanks. Well, you'd have to do your homework, eh, to be confident to know what you're eating. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, if that's their, you know, their home turf, so to speak. Yes. You know, it's not like alone. Because, you know, you see the behind the scenes of alone where they're going, okay, well... These mushrooms are edible. These ones are not. When you're out here, <laughs> if you see those, you can eat those. But these ones look pretty close. 
except for that microscopic little black dot. Yeah, if it's yeah. got that microscopic little black dot, <laughs> don't eat it because your ears will fall off. Well, you know, they say that all mushrooms are edible once. At least once. <laughs> Uh, as I set off, the narrow Thames pre- uh, presented an obstacle course. They had to limbo under low branches, bushwhack through rushes and dangling foliage. Heave the boats over submerged trees and get wings slapped by an angry swan. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Following day, the river widened and the headwind picked up, wreaking havoc on their lightweight canoe. Uh, Teresa's boat would literally spin on a sixpence, Day, uh, day says. It would make a great hunting boat, but into the wind, it blows around like a feather in a paddle. Yeah, that would be so good. Yeah. Need to get some weight but in But this is exactly what they're, they're, they're looking for, this kind of yeah, information. Yeah, they need feedback. Right? Yeah. So this is what they know. Well, they probably used that. Because back in the day when they would made those watercraft, it was like they'd be like, you know, 50 generations of technological advancements to build yeah. just the right canoe shape or kayak shape or whatever. For the, the area they were in, too, yes. right? By the time night fell, they were exhausted. They'd run out of drinkable water. They couldn't find a campsite when they where they wouldn't be trampled by cows. Finally, they spotted a pocket-sized clearing, but to get there, they had to wade through stinging nettles in bare feet and buckskin skirts. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. Well, again, like it's not like they could throw in a pair of hiking boots yeah, 6,000 yeah, years ago. Exactly. <laughs> Head on down to the local cave yeah. and get yourself a set of... Uh, hikers, right? Uh, they made fire, boiled Thames water, and filtered it through a T-shirt. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> From all the Stone Age things I've ever seen, not a single a one t-shirt. of them was wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> I, maybe I just missed it. Yeah, that could yeah. just be on me. But <laughs> uh, they seared a pork joint on a slab of basalt. Then simmered it with acorn flour and foraged mushrooms in a clay pot with a lettuce leaf lid. <laughs> As they ate, the heat from the fire inflamed their nettle stung legs. Ugh. It was like being zapped with an electric cattle prod. <laughs> so far, so fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Total fun. Yeah, I'm having a problem with that t-shirt business, though. <laughs> uh, the next day, the headwind continued to buffet them, so they towed Emmerich Camper's boat. Uh, they, uh, enjoyed chatting and singing in the same boat so much. They kept it up the rest of the 11 day journey. <laughs> a single day, a tailwind blew. They fashioned a sail from a stick and a leather tarp, uh, which they held high and, uh, yeah, seemed to work. Each night they propped up the canoe with sticks to serve as wind breaks and to help dry out the skins. Underneath, they rolled out bedding made of roe deer and reindeer furs, which kept them toasty, but molted flurries of white hair. Oh, yeah. Uh, I woke up this morning and I looked like a Yeti, <laughs> day joke. Covered in the shedding fur. So that's what they were saying is talking about the fires and stuff like that, uh, where they had problems being able to find places where they could set a fire. Because they say back in the Stone Age, you can, they would set the fire, fire to dry out yeah. the canoes from the day, yeah. right? And here, they can't, so that was sort of yeah. a, a problem. As the days progressed, the women's respect for these ancient canoes grew. Vessels required minimal maintenance. They were light and nimble, but could carry immense loads. Um, Emmerich uh, Camper and Day said they could picture Stone Age people hunting seals in these sturdy skiffs or seasonally 
shipping baskets of acorns along the Thames. Aesthetically, the canoes were enchanting. The skins flowed with rippling water and glowed amber in the sunrise. Uh, they wafted woody and animal aromas. So they were stinky. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine. Everywhere the women paddled, adults and kids stared at them in wonder and peppered them with questions. These interactions became their favorite part of the adventure. Fascination with ancestral and wilderness skills is increasing thanks to media interest in TV shows, plus people's growing desire to connect with nature, to live more simply and meaningfully. People thirst for something they can't really name, but they know it when they see these boats. There you go. Canoes ferry the imagination to a distant time, the Stone Age, which stretched from roughly 3 million to 6,000 years ago. What? Yeah, I didn't think it was quite that long. Yeah. Uh, it encompasses more than 99% of humans' technological history. This period shaped who we are today, so in a sense, it's still inside us. When you do a journey like this day says, you can feel an almost tangible link with someone who was living a very different life a very long time ago. Yet the Thames is quite different from what it was like in the Stone Age, and it slowed the women down. And I find this really, really interesting. Thousands of years ago, people would have camped freely, lit fires every night to dry out their canoes, helping them skim through the water faster. But they weren't allowed to light fires in most areas. They struggled to find spots to camp or even break for dried berries on a sandbar. They waited for up to an hour to get through each lock, because the River Thames has the locks on it. Yeah. Get away, which, when, when, when we did the um, Trent Severn, the locks were the were the biggest holdup every single day. Absolutely. Bottleneck, right? yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because the real issue we've run into has nothing to do with the fact that the Stone Age was hard. It's that we're on a modern river. Yeah, That's exactly. really interesting. Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's almost like the activity of being on the river was so much simpler 6,000 years simpler, ago. Simpler, easier, less complex. Yeah, it, there's, now there's so many, you know, there's all, you got to follow rules. You didn't have to have just a plan. Have you just knew you need to get yeah. from A to B. Yep. And it took you however long it took you. At the end of the day, you stop wherever you find a spot. You do what you need to do, set the fire, yeah. eat, sleep, get up the next day, repeat. Mm -hmm. And now there's so many things you got to keep in mind about doing. Private land, fire bands, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. A near constant headwind and two epic thunderstorms also put the women behind schedule. On the 11th day, they paddled 32 kilometers, racing to beat the tide rushing in from the Thames estuary. Their legs and backs ached so much they could barely stand. To distract themselves, they sang old English folk songs. Navigated through the dark by light of headlamps. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's number headlamp. two. Headlamp. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it was like, you know, like a wood headlamp. A with with a, a torch, maybe. <laughs> headlamp. A, a tallow candle. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, stuck on the top of their head. <laughs> Uh, it was after 10, 10 p.m. Uh, when they clocked, uh, docked in uh, Isleworth in southwest London, 219 kilometers from their starting point. But Emmerich Kemper had to fly to 
Denmark to speak at a bushcraft symposium. <laughs> so they couldn't reach Greenwich, 36 oh, wow. kilometers away. So, so they were one to two days yeah. away from their goal. So. Sorry, I have to start pretending being a caveman. Yeah. Stop pretending being a caveman because I have to get Wait in a an airplane. Flying to Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> First it's T-shirts, then it's headlamp, then it's airplanes. Wait a minute. Those Stone Age people. In a sense, though, they reached something more distant. One of our motivations was understanding past people's personal experiences with using this technology. Knowing what it feels like to sit under a leather tent in a rawhide boat in the middle of a thunderstorm, it makes people uh, past people's real. It also stinks. Well, this is what they would have to do, too, right? They didn't have any choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, when you look back at it, like, a thousand years ago, did they have flush toilets? No. Right? <laughs> The journey... Uh, My flush toilet is the tide. Is the tide. That's right. <laughs> uh, journey gave them a boatload, pun intended, of <laughs> ideas for fine-tuning their canoes and experimentally testing coatings and the physics of drag through water. They celebrated their end of their voyage by planning another Stone Age expedition as they ate takeaway by the river, somewhere between the beginning and the end of time. <laughs> Ah. Yeah, I went through that. Uh, that would be cool, though. <laughs> went through the Stone Age drive-thru. They went through the Stone Age, yeah. The Flintstones. It's the Flintstones. <laughs> but that's, a Brontosaurus burger, please. That's pretty cool. But, I mean, I guess over here, it would be no different, real. Well, I'd say it'd be no different than building a skin-on frame or a, y- yes. yep. a birch bark canoe and mm-hmm. paddling it. Staying in, sleeping under the, the <laughs> you know, under the boat. And staying in Stone Age hotels. Staying in Stone Age hotels <laughs> with Stone Age Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Taking pictures with your Stone Age camera that has the little bird inside chipping away <laughs> for all you Flintstone people out there that know. <laughs> you know. But, I mean, yeah, you know, like experimental archaeology like that is pretty cool to be able to do a trip on... Stuff that they've researched and found. Yeah, 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 yeah. More than 6,000 years ago, people were yeah. doing this. And you could go down and do this. They're kind of reinventing all the tools. They Because the, the tools that would have existed back then, a lot of them would have been just gone away, rotted, missing, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're coming to conclusions about what or how something might have been built. And they're building it and using it and making it work. Yeah. Experimental archaeology. But how much portaging did they do? Because I would not want oh. that on my head. <laughs> I want that stinky old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if he's back on the portage, I think he passed out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <He> couldn't breathe. <laughs> Forget this. I'm walking. <laughs> and I'll swim to the next portage. <laughs> I'm paddling a pumpkin instead of this thing. Yeah. this is That's pretty cool, though, just to see that there's people out there doing this sort of yes. yeah, stuff to find yeah. out how. And and I do like the fact that they said, like, the biggest problem they had was they were on a modern yeah. river with all the things that the they... The rules, all the rules. All the rules and that, that they, they couldn't just go all willy-nilly and yeah. do as they yeah. wanted. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, we were sent this one. Uh, I think Grant Brower sent us this I one. think so, yes. Yeah. It was actually an article from Paddling Magazine. If you haven't read Paddling Magazine, go to paddlingmag.com. They have an online version. Lots yep. of interesting paddling info and 
Oscar, uh, Oscars. I'm reading Oscar? two, I'm reading the top and the bottom of the page at the same time. <laughs> Lots of interesting, uh, paddling info and articles, uh, paddlingmag.com. Go check it out. So apparently the, in the Oscar nominated 1972 film deliverance for friends, two of which are played by John Voight and Burt Reynolds, uh, canoe down a fictional Georgia river before it's dammed. And we talked about, we, we talked about this paddling, great paddling area. Everybody go here, go here, go here, go here. And then it was like a little while later, we we're realizing, wait a minute. We sent them to the deliverance we sent river. Them to, where, to where deliverance was filmed. Uh, group faces a number of challenges, including some fierce white water that ends up splintering, uh, one of the wood canvas canoes. After it's taken backwards down a rapid and gets hung up on a rock. Fun fact, the special effects crew sawed the canoe almost in a half from gunnel to gunnel to make make the damage more dramatic. Warner Brothers had approximately a dozen identical Old Town 16-foot guides shipped to the filming location in Georgia, knowing they'd be destroying several in the iconic rapid sequences filmed uh, in the Tallulah Gorge. Rest of the canoe scenes were filmed on the Chattooga River. Two of the canoes wrecked in filming were cobbled together for inclusion in Burt Reynolds' museum collection. Reconstructed canoe was missing both seats and a few feet in the middle. Was later sold at auction. It was speculated that all other canoes were either destroyed during filming or lost over time. But wait. (laughs) But wait. Bill Dunlap, who was one of the founding members of the Georgia Canoeing Association in the mid-1960s, was loaned to the movie crew from his job at Georgia Power to coordinate water flow through the Tallulah Gorge. He also helped with location scouting. And when production wrapped, Dunlap was offered the aluminum canoe Reynolds had paddled or an old town guide that was never used in filming. He picked the guide. Smart fella. Because, I mean, you're looking at, wow, Burt Reynolds Hmm. paddled this canoe. Yeah. (gasps) A cedar canvas. (laughs) Brand new, unused. Y'all be taking that one. Thank you very much. Uh, He had the canoe hanging from his living room rafters when Mark Holloway, who looked after the Dunlap's house, took note of it. Dunlap gifted the canoe to Holloway, who is also an avid paddler, in August of 2020. Old Town confirmed the serial number on Holloway's canoe, sent him a copy of the build order, showing delivery to Warner Brothers in Georgia in 1971. To imagine getting that on your hands on that? That's that's a piece of history. Right? Yet I've got a boat motor from the mid seventies that <laughs> I can't even, <laughs> I, it's taken me 30 years to find a boat manual for it. <laughs> While paddling, hiking or climbing the area, you can see the distinctive geological formation now known as deliverance rock on the Chattooga river or visit wander North Georgia's Clayton Georgia store to see Holloway's legendary 51 year old piece of cinematic memorabilia in person. Too cool. So he's got it on display, so you can go and check it out. Just be careful not to catch deliverance syndrome. 
term coined by locals to describe poorly prepared paddlers oh. seeking to conquer the famous river. 19 <laughs> people drowned on the Chattooga within three years of the film's release. Oh. Oops. Mm-hmm. Deliverance syndrome. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. It is. To, to find that little Piece bit of, of history. History, right? Cinematic history. Stuff like that I love. Love finding, discovering stuff like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, again, paddlingmag.com. Uh, go there and uh, check out. they got a whole bunch of really good um, paddling info and articles. Yep. Just like this one. And uh, I think that's about it for this week. Oh. Yeah. That's all I got. I don't have anything to add. It's just it's uh, it, it was a bit of a whirlwind this week. But it's uh, like I said, it's busy. It's winter's coming and temperatures dropping. It's going to rise up a bit. Be nice for the rest of the week. But <gasps> what I saw th- winter's coming. I was just thinking winter's coming. Mm-hmm. I, and then all of a sudden it triggered because I think I sent it to you. Winter's coming, and this bear ate it. Oh, the polar bear, the thousand pound fat bear. polar bear. Because we saw Grazer was like six or seven hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. But there's this polar bear that they show. Yeah. Do they say how much they think it weighs? It was like over a thousand pounds. <laughs> this thing was massive. It's a dinosaur. Yeah. Winter's coming and this bear ate, ate it. it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just that winter's coming. Yeah, just yeah. all of a sudden triggered yeah. that memory from earlier in the week. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, winter's coming on its way, so we have to start getting prepared for that, but there's still lots of paddling time left. There's you're more prepared paddling. for yep, it. Yeah. I think next week we'll talk about, um, preparing for it and yes. how to, if you're not going to continue your paddling, how to, what you should how be to doing put with, things away. with your boats. Are you going to wash your sleeping bag? I've never washed a sleeping bag. We talked about this earlier. I, like I, I, I do care for them. And I yeah, I air them out and stuff like that. Imagine if I get if I got sprayed by a skunk, I'd have to throw it away. I'm not going to wash it. But like, I think as a teenager, I washed sleeping bag. It all clumped up in one end, and I don't think so I've I'd ever actually. Like you, you wouldn't throw it in the washing machine. Like I've yeah. I've, I've wiped off gunk, grime, and stuff yep. like even a wipe yep. down, and then aired it out. But I've never actually like thrown it into. Mm-hmm. The washing machine, or and there we also have the sanitize cycle on our dryer. Oh, okay, get that sort of thing and really high. Yeah, something like yeah. high heat just to kill. We used to do that with. Uh, we had that same function for like hockey gear. Oh, yeah. right. So sports gear, the sanitization, yeah. <laughs> keep the stink out of the bags. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Oh my god, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Is that your hockey bag? Yeah, open it up. No, <laughs> no, no. How she don't? Do not open that in the house. Yeah, let's just go store that in the garage. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, that's all I got this week, and that's all I have. All righty. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can just go to the episode page at PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com and you can stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 